One of the things that we decided right off the bat when we started this podcast was we would not let just anybody sponsor us. To get on here and be a sponsor, you have to share the same values and you have to have the same heart uh, as we do. And you have to be providing something that's very important to us. And coffee is very important to us. And that's why we've been very happy to have Juniper Mountain Trading Post Coffee as our personal sponsors here on the channel. They're the company that provides all the coffee for the school. It's the coffee that we drink personally at home. And, uh, and we're very, very happy. They're a family-owned company that does everything themselves. And they have the same standards and the same heart that we do. So if you're looking for a, a quality coffee company, uh, go to junipermountaincoffee.com. And when you check out, make sure that you plug in and type in Dry Creek, all one word, for a 10% discount. Good morning. Dwayne here, Dry Creek Wrangler School. Um, about seven years ago, I did another stint. I went back into law enforcement for a short period of time in uh, remote Bush, Alaska. Um, I was 49 years old and, uh, I, uh, was in between things and, and I had done it before and it paid pretty good and it was living out in the bush and, and I thought, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back into it and I'm going to try it again. And so I did, um, I got on the, um, where the native association up the Colbuck, well, the Native Association was in Kotzebue, Alaska, on the far west coast. Uh, and then, so I was working in villages up the Colbuck River. And I uh, had been out of law enforcement for for a lot of years. And uh, I went back into it, and I, I wasn't, in it, wasn't in it for very long, uh, this second time, because that's when I got um, hurt back at the academy, but I had to go back to police academy. All my certifications had run out and that's when I did all the damage to my neck. But the way it worked out there, you, you, um, you got hired on, you worked with the Alaska state troopers, but you weren't a trooper, but you went through their academy and, but you got paid by the, a lot, a particular Alaska native association. That was your paycheck. And, so you had to be accepted by the troopers, you had to be accepted by the Native Association, and you had to be accepted by a particular village. So I got sent out to the first village, and I was just there. Um, I don't know, I hadn't been there a week yet. I didn't know anybody. And uh, it was wintertime, and uh, the uh, it was 20 below zero. And I got a call one night uh, about a domestic violence. And uh, usually that's where family members um, are, uh, are in a fight or not, maybe not a fight. Maybe somebody's getting beat up. But I got, I got a call. And, and when I say a call, I mean a cell phone call. It was an anonymous call. I didn't know who it was. Um, out in the village, you have no, it's just you. Uh, you may be in a village of 100 people, 200 people, 450 people, 700 people, and it's just you. You're by yourself. There's no dispatch. 
There's no radio. There's no partner. There's no backup. There's no somebody else taking another shift. It's just you. And the other thing is, is due to politics, legally, you're unarmed as far as a firearm. I said legally. All right. Uh, you have OC pepper spray. Uh, there at the end, we wound up with the, uh, with tasers and, uh, the, uh, and a baton, but technically, officially, legally, that's all you had. And so if you can imagine, if you call somebody, if you talk, if you have a friend today in law enforcement, ask them, say, do you ever, have you ever gotten a domestic violence call and you answer that call alone? Um, and the answer is going to be no. You'd never, most law enforcement officers that get killed in the line of duty get killed at domestic violence calls. It's a two-edged sword because you have the violence of whoever's doing the assaulting. But a lot of times what you have when you go in and stop the assault and you arrest the assaulter, um, then the assaultee, it's their girlfriend or their their wife or whoever, all of a sudden they turn on you. Um, it's proven as psychological, all right? It's their bread and butter, their safety. They're going to be blamed for it. And they'll, they'll, anyhow, it's just not done. And, uh, and then, so I got a call. It was about two o'clock in the morning and I was by myself in the village, uh, a hundred miles. Uh, let's see, I was in, this village was probably 60 miles up the river from Constabu. There were no roads. Uh, like I said, no partner, no dispatch, no backup. Nobody was coming. All right. And not only the call did it say there was domestic violence, but it said there had uh, alcohol was involved. Well, that just doubles, triples the situation. And there had been shots fired. It was 20 below zero. I did not know the village. I did not know anybody in the village. But somehow, I don't remember who I had called the mayor or somebody, woke him up and said, hey, where is, where does this person live? Where's this house? And, and whoever it was, they told me this is, this is where it is. And I went to the house. Now there was a narrow set of stairs. Just one per, room for one person to walk. There were two houses that were up on stilts. The houses, a lot of the houses are built on stilts because of the frost line and snow drifts and everything. And so there were two houses built on stilts that were right up against each other. All right. And uh, so this house, the one house was facing out that way. So here's the back of the house. And this set of steps for this house goes up against the back of this house. And it's an extremely narrow set of steps. Uh, and it, we're not talking three or four steps. We're talking about 12 or 15 steps. They're setting up pretty high. And so you go up this narrow set of steps and there's a hard right 90 degree turn and there's a landing about three and a half feet wide. It's as wide as the door. That's it. And you go up to the door. Now I walked up and I got halfway up those steps and I stopped. This was a defining moment. Uh, this was a defining moment in my life right here. All right. Now here, here what I'm, here, what I'm going to say. 
I got halfway up those steps and I stopped. And I said, Dwayne, you're by yourself. Nobody's coming to help. You're wearing Arctic clothes, it's 20 below zero. And you're on a little narrow set of steps. You're going a 90 degree turn and there's no way to get out anywhere except from in front of that door. And you don't know what's gonna come through that door. If they come out that door, if they come busting violently out of that door and they have a firearm in their hand, what are you gonna do? Because if you don't have that determined, you're not gonna make it. And I stood there for a second and I took a good hard look down into the well of my soul. And I said, can you do what needs to be done? Because if you can't, do not knock on that door. Those who've been in situation, you know what I'm talking about. And those who haven't, you'll never know what I'm talking about. And I stood there for a second and I said, if somebody comes busting out of that door, um, violently, and I see any hint of a firearm, I'm going to shoot them. Simple as that. I'm going to shoot them. Now, I'm law enforcement, white man in Alaska Native Village. There's going to be all kinds of court. There's going to be all kinds of trouble. It doesn't matter how righteous it is, the shooting. It does not matter anything. There's going to be a great deal of trouble. Uh, not only that, but carrying with you for the rest of your life the fact that you shot someone. That's not a light thing. That's not an easy thing. And I looked down in the well, and the me that was deep inside that we don't often visit looked up, and I said, I can do this. And I went up. Now you say, Dwayne, you were unarmed. How are you going to shoot? I said, I didn't say I was unarmed. I said, legally, we're not supposed to be armed. But we carried, you know, you wear a ballistic vest. There's two ways to wear a bulletproof ballistic vest. Um, you can wear it under your shirt. You put the vest on, put your uniform shirt over it, or they have external carriers, um, which you unzip and put the ballistic vest in. And that's what you mostly see when you see law enforcement or military, and they got these big bulky vests on and they're standing there with their thumbs in like this, which by the way is very foolish and never advised. Uh, but that's an external vest and it's got a zipper in the front. Well, I would unzip that and I had a 1911 zipped in that. It wasn't visible, it wasn't in sight, but only only a fool would have that job out there by himself, regardless of some idiot, idiotic, stupid left-wing politics would go into that unarmed. And I, I didn't. So I went up, unzipped my coat, got everything situated, backed up to the railing so the door was like this and got as much out of the edge of the door as I could and knocked on the door. And uh, there was no answer. It was dead silent. Knocked on the door again and there was no answer. It was dead silent. So I, I stood there on that landing in front of that door and just listened. And for those of you who've been in extreme cold and in the far north, 
sound carries phenomenally. You would not believe how well sound carries when it's brutally cold out in flat country, snow and ice. And I listened and, and I heard nothing. I did not hear anywhere in the village. I heard no screaming. I heard no more gunshots. I heard no fights. I, I heard nothing. And so in a little bit, I zipped back up, went back down the steps, got in my side-by-side -side and went back to the office where, where, I, where I was staying. And so what, what point am I making? There's a lot of talk today and there's been a lot, sorry, I'm laying my lighter down here and we'll get it. <coughs> you know, I did that video a while back where I talked about that fella in Romania and, and I'm not, I'm not, we're not revisiting that. Okay. I, I said what I needed to say about a particular uh, side of this whole masculinity thing that's coming out and, and I'm not revisiting that. All right. Um, but there's a, there is a, a debate today about masculinity and about manhood and about what constitutes a dangerous man. Now, and everyone, so many people, and this applies anywhere in life. This applies in business. This applies in family. This applies in being a husband, being a father. Uh, like I said, being on a job site, being an employer, it applies, it, it applies to horsemanship. It applies to anything you do. And so we're going to equate being a dangerous man with being a man who gets things done. Okay. We're going to, we're going to just kind of blend those together at the moment. All right. Because that's how the illustration come about. There are a lot of men out there who are younger than me. Get some got the door shut because it's kind of cold outside. There are a lot of men out there who are younger than me. A lot of men out there who are a lot more fit than I am, who can do more push-ups. A lot more men who can um who can definitely deal with me in a boxing ring pretty handily. I wouldn't be much of a threat. But there are a lot of men, a lot of those men, who would have gone halfway up that stairs. And that's as far as they would have gone. After a little bit, they would have done the inspection, they would have looked inside, and they would have gone right back down those stairs. And they would have gone back to the house. Being dangerous... Being effective, being competent is not just what you're capable of doing. There are a lot of really intelligent people out there. There are a lot of mathematically inclined people out there. There are a lot of um, physically fit a lot of charismatic people out there um, who aren't going to make it. And the reason they're not going to make it is not because they can't make it. 
but it's because they have never looked down deep inside and said, will I do what needs to be done? They have never faced it. You, I get a horse and, you know, I talked in the last video about the condition of my neck and everything and I'll get a horse and, and I, I, you know, I've got young people that work here with me, young guys. My son was here for the first part of this last school year and I had some bronchi horses come through and I did the groundwork and everything and I, uh, but we get to a certain point and I'm like, Will, and he's like, Dad, let me top that one off for you. Uh, because I'm intelligent about it and I'm like, but I look at it and there's times when I look around and this horse, this needs to be handled. This needs to be taken care of. And, uh, I understand the cost. I understand the danger. I understand the possibility. Will I climb those stairs? Yes. Yes, I'll climb those stairs. Now, if I, in that situation with that call, if I had access to backup, would I avail myself of it? You're darn right I would. Um, in a situation like that, uh, and man, if I got access to a whole squad of Marines, it's like, let's go boys, you know? But if you don't, it's not about what you're physically capable of doing. It's about what are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to face? What danger are you willing to face? What catastrophic failure are you willing to take the chance on? Now, it does no good to say, I'm willing to do this if you're not physically capable of doing it, okay? I've had physical training. I've been, um, you know, I, I've had fight training and, and, uh, and I've been in some altercations and, uh, and I've, you know, I've been to the gym and I've worked out and, and I've got this and, and I've lived a pretty full life. Um, and, uh, I'm not one of these guys that runs 20 miles a day and, and lifts all these weights now and, puts on backpacks with the weights on it and drags more weights behind me and running up and down the road. I, that's not, that's not me today. Um, but I'm not inexperienced and I'm not incapable, but what I find to be much, much more reassuring is I'm willing, willing to what, willing to whatever. But, I want, I want you to, I want you to, I want you to stop and really listen to what I'm fixing to say here. Okay. Because it has a great possibility for you to take it wrong in both directions. I do not obey the law for the sake of the law. All right. I heard a, part of a song the other day, you guys probably know it, know the singer and everything, but I don't need the law to tell me what I ought to do. Who I don't know who that was. Um, and I just heard that, that line as I was going through somewhere, I don't know, radio was on or something. And, and that's me. Okay. 
I don't go around assaulting people. And it's not because the law tells me that I cannot assault people. If you refuse to do things that are wrong because you're afraid of the law, you have a very huge, important chunk of you that's missing. All right. The law is not there for the good man. The law is there for the bad man. The law is there to set up the penalties since the bad man cannot govern himself. All right. So if I, if I do no harm to you, it's not because the law tells me don't do harm to that person. All right. But that's a two-edged sword. If I'm walking downtown with my wife of 32 years, uh, whom I love and respect and take very seriously my responsibility towards, uh, and someone disrespects my, now this has come up before, and there's some of you have a hard time with it. So we're going to clarify it now, all right? And someone disrespects my wife. And, and I don't mean just just a mumble as they go by or something, but I mean, seriously, I'm in another aisle and she's in this aisle and I come around the corner and there's a problem. If I, if the law is not what keeps me, now listen to me. If the law is not what keeps me from doing harm to someone who doesn't need harm, then the law is not going to keep me from doing harm to someone that I judge needs to be dealt with. I do not live my life according to what the judicial system says. Now, that's a really, really hard step for some people. And I, th I think probably there's going to be a lot of you on here that have never heard really consider that concept and you're going to need to chew on it for a while. Okay. Um, I'm not afraid of jail. I, I'm not afraid of the court system. I'm not afraid of police. I, I don't, I don't care. I'm afraid of not measuring up to what I ought to be. I'm much more scared of not being the man that does what needs to be done than I am of a judicial system that sees it differently and will come after me if I do something else. Okay, this is all just an illustration. Now there's things that, that the, judici the judicial system says that I don't agree with, and that, but it has nothing to do with any of that. But I still follow the law because it says so, all right? I pay my taxes. Um, I have opinions on that. I think that's very unconstitutional. And, and I think it's taken way too far. And I think they spend my money on things that I didn't vote for and I don't agree with. But the law says it. And I'm not going to go to jail over money. So there, there are things out there that I do because the law says so. All right. Uh, but we're talking about human-mankind interaction. We're talking about the serious things of life. All right. I think that in our society today... And a lot of societies, a lot of advanced societies around the world today, men have not had to search themselves and find out 
Can I do the hard thing? Simply because it has to be done. Now, someone who's just completely clueless, who's never lived that, like, Dwayne, did you have to? I did. I had to go up them steps and I had to knock on that door. Now, I've knocked on other doors that did not end as anticlimactic as that one. And I've got into fights, but they didn't come busting out with a gun and I never had to shoot anybody, which I am eternally grateful. Um, but we did throw hands and there were arrests and there were um, pepper sprays and there were handcuffs and, and those situations came up. And when they come up, it, it's like you put yourself, you, the perpetrator, put yourself in this situation. I didn't ask you to do this. So you asked for this. And I'd already determined that if you asked for this, I am willing and able to give it to you. I saw a thing. I think my wife sent it to me the other day. There was a series of clips somewhere. I don't know if it was on the news, if it was on Instagram or what, but it's interviews of women. And they asked these women, would you kill somebody for your, for your child? And, and, they were like, no, 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 I don't think I could do that. No, I don't think I could do that. Then you shouldn't have a child. You should not have a child. If that, you say, well, it's taking an innocent life. If that life is putting your child in danger, physically, sexually, emotionally, that's not an innocent life. And if you can't, do the hard thing in order to do the right thing, then you're an empty shell of a human being and you're more evil than good. You're more evil than good. So before you get married, young man, you need to look down in that well. That woman, that young lady deserves deserves to know that she and her well-being and her safety is more important to you than the possibility you might go to court or you might go to jail or you might lose and you might die. She deserves that. She deserves a husband who will give her that. Parents, mothers, you need to look in the well. And if you are so self-centered, not just physically, not just physically, but if you are so self-centered in what you consider to be your overall goodness or whatever, that you will not walk through the fires of hell for your child, I beg you, don't have a child. Don't have that child. Because that child deserves more than what you are. That child deserves more. It's not right. It's not right. Fellas, what does it mean to be a dangerous man? It's a man who's counting the cost. And said, if the situation comes up, I will pay the cost. Whatever it costs me. All right. A dangerous man does not mean a man that's 
puts on all the outward trappings of a dangerous man. Danger is not external. Danger is internal. Now, you need to be able to back up what you decide you're willing to do. And so you need to be able to do it physically. All right. Whether it be hand to hand or whether it be firearms or whether it be whatever it is. Folks, we live in a dangerous world today. I, I, do you not see that? Do you not see the terrorists that come boiling over? Now, you've, whatever the politics are, I don't care. I mean, I care, but I'm not discussing that. All right. The historical of it, whatever. The terrorists came boiling over the border and murdered a bunch of women and children. And this happens in over in Israel. All right. Now you can say, yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but the situation is terrorists boiled over the border and murdered and raped a bunch of women and children. Bottom line. You cannot excuse that, but what you see is somebody else's bad behavior. It's inexcusable. It is inexcusable. And it happens in this country more and more. You hear about people that you hear about people just punching 80 year old women on the street so that they die just right there on the street. Okay. You hear about this this it's a dangerous world out there all right and a dangerous man is a man who prepares himself mentally emotionally and physically to meet danger with danger all right what does it come down to it comes down to the the willingness to sacrifice Sacrifice what? Everything. Everything. You say, Dwayne, there's no price. There is no price. I will not pay for my mom, for my wife, for my children. For my grandchildren. Dwayne, how far does that extend? They'll never find your body. There's no price I won't pay. It's not, there's no price I physically can't pay. That don't mean nothing. People say, you know, guys will get romantic and they'll tell their, their woman, they'll tell their girlfriend, they'll tell their wife, honey, I would die for you. That don't mean nothing. That don't mean nothing, because you're going to die. You might die of old age. You might die of cancer, but you don't have a choice of whether you're going to die or not. So to look at someone and say, I would die for you, that's kind of small potatoes. And I'll let you extrapolate that out to the end of that point. Because that's the well that you need to look into. All right, a little heavy this morning, but uh, things are things are hotting up, and we have we're surrounded these days by weakness, weakness in here, and definitely weak-minded. There's definitely weak-minded people out there. All right, 
but are you man enough? If if you listen, if you go to the gym five days a week, and uh, and you say, you know, I can bench press four hundred pounds, and I can leg press this, and I can do this, and and then I can run three miles, but you ain't got the guts to use it when the rubber really hits the road. You're not a dangerous man, and you're not really of much count. It's in here. Not in here. All right. Kind of deep this morning. A little heavy. But I felt like it's something that needed to be brought out. It's been on my heart. And uh, this this video will maybe be the one that causes me a lot of heartburn and a lot of grief. And uh, and you soft, tender people, you can get on there and say, Dwayne, this and that. Uh, or the Bible says, you don't know what the Bible says. If there's anything I've learned by what people post on here, the Bible says nine times out of ten, you ain't got a clue what the Bible says. Uh, people say the Bible says thou shalt not kill. That's the English translation. All right. The original word was roxaw, which is commit murder or assassinate. All right. To kill without right. To kill without cause. It's not just thou shalt not kill. Um, so you don't know the Bible. Um, and so just, if you want to be soft or remain soft, then turn this off. All right. Unsubscribe and go watch some cat videos. Okay. But if you want to hear the hard thing, if you want to actually sit down and contemplate the hard thing and decide to do the hard thing, then you're in the right place. Okay. All right. Today, just. So, you know, it's just the brick house Maduro. These are pretty common for me, common, my common daily smokes. And that's what I'm enjoying this morning. Um, and I know I'm not advertising tobacco. It's just fellow smokers want to know, hey, what's that stick you got? And that's what it is. All right. So anyhow, uh, I guess that's about it. So be logical. Be reasonable. Be safe. Be dangerous and have fun. And we'll catch you guys next time.